The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Love. Valentine's Day. Love. Let's all love today. Love is in the air, which is why everyone should put on a mask. Let me see. I played that tune. Love is in the... John Paul Young? No. Love is in the air. Is it... Wasn't that the theme to the love boat? No. That, that's love exciting and new. <laughs> It is? It was? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was right. John Paul Young. Gee, that's good. Love is in the air was done by... I remember I remember that in my first radio job, I played that tune. Mm. What well, year was that a hit? It would have been 78. Yeah, all right. My first radio job. Mm. Love is in the air. Oh, I hated the two. Yeah. You know, because I went... The thing is, I went from, you know, what I was listening to in college, which was much more prog rock, and my first radio job was at a soft rock station. Yeah. Bread. James Taylor. Well, Bread at least could cook. Bread had a cup. They're early. You their mean first, in the proverbial sense? No, their first two <laughs> hits. Their their uh, yeah. "Let Your Love Go." Uh huh. You would not know. You could play that tune a lot of people, and you tell them it was bread. They go what? Mm-hmm. Let your love go. And I've got the other tune that was uh, that was pretty hard. That's that's where I first heard of bread. Was the harder mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like Ambrosia. Ambrosia is known as this, you know, soft AC band. They were mm-hmm. prog rock. Mm-hmm. When they first came out, time waits for no one. You know, you look uh, all. You know that. I mean, that's an incredible. That's more of a, a a jazz eclectic kind of song. It's like a Return to Forever or Al Di Miola or something. And all of a sudden, they become an air supply. Yeah. Well, we know when where you, the money is. That's true. Not in prog rock. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right, so uh, you know the whole thing. Love, blah, 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 uh, roses, uh, chocolates, you know the thing. Yeah. They, Hallmark. Ev- everything we do, uh, you know, leading up to President's Day every year. <laughs> ah. Oh, you know what today is, so? Huh. The 14th of February. And what was 2024. It? And what was it three years ago? It the- was we're all... Going to be at home for a long time without power. Yeah, this is Frizola started three years ago today. Mm-hmm. It's when it really got cold. Wow, that's three years ago. Yeah, and today it's going to be close to seventy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, I, from what I can see, we're done with winter here, so there is no. Yeah, I don't February even. I, I think we get. We might get close to freezing here in a couple of days, but. No, we it's nothing like the freeze apocalypse. All right, so we had mentioned this earlier that John Stewart returned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only for Mondays though. And only through the election, apparently. Keith Olbermann and liberal commentators fume over John Stewart's mockery of Biden in the Daily Show return. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, he went after Trump, but they expected that. Yeah, that's a given. Of course, it's like, well, he went after Trump, too. Well, that's what he he used to almost fully go after Republicans. Very rarely did he go after a Democrat. Because some liberal journalists and commentators fumed after Jon Stewart's long-rumored return to The Daily Show on Monday night featured jokes about President Biden's age. Uh, But Stewart's return Monday... Ticked off some commentators online, some who voiced frustration at the comedian's jokes at the expense of President Biden. Hmm. Who was first on the list? Keith Olbermann. Hmm. The resistance. Remember the, oh my, I forgot about that. The resistance. The resistance. Oh. Mom, I'm trying to broadcast. (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing down there, Keithy? <laughs> you didn't finish your dinner. I'm doing my podcast. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember the resistance? Yeah, barely. Now, I've always heard, I think it's true, didn't he and, uh, what's her name, the conservative commentator, didn't he and Ann Coulter date at one time? I don't know if that's true or not. I thought they dated. Yeah, those would be some interesting days. <laughs> I'm guessing plenty of resistance involved. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> can I go along? I want to. Can I go along and witness this? Please, please, please. Well, remember what? What was it? they had a a uh, you know what was it? What was that dating thing where they that. It was like a like a game show, but they, you know, basically a camera went along with them on a blind date. Was it called Blind Date? Years ago. Yeah, I'd love to know what that was like if that happened. Is it true? Do we know? I don't know. <laughs> Neither will admit it. 
even though I'm looking here and it comes up in an Atlantic article mm. uh, and asking, I just saw it in the, it says, is it true that in college you dated okay. Ann Coulter? All right. And I'm trying that to would make more sense. Uh, just trying to. That would make a lot more sense if, if it was college years. Yeah, because seeing the, those two together on a date today, I, who knows? I know it was brought up because it's even in here, but it doesn't make sense on this transcript. Yeah. Because it says, says Olbermann, is it true that when you were at Cornell, you dated Ann Coulter? Then there's no answer to it. It doesn't seem to. He won't admit it. <laughs> That's where he cut off the interview. Okay, I can't find it. Yeah, it's, you know, whatever. It's, it's no, it's no big deal. I just that that I just I just remember that when mm-hmm. we were. Uh, okay, is this? Okay, there. Okay, here it is from 2014, because that was up. I can tell you, uh, well, I can tell you're a soccer fan. He responded to somebody, I never dated Ann Coulter, not in this or 37 other lifetimes. So, Okay. All right. Darn. Not that I spent much time ever thinking about it, but the, just the thought would have said, wow, I would have loved to if that actually did happen. Well, because then, uh, then we would ask, okay, how much did you drink during your college years? Either one of them, if that were the case. Yeah. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find Great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So here's uh, Keith Olbermann. Well, after nine years away, there's nothing else to say to the both-sidest fraud, John Stewart, bashing Biden, except please make it another nine years. All right. Uh, Christopher Webb uh, called himself a lifelong Dem on X. The laziest of humor. 
for Stewart to go after the ages of Biden and Trump. But why do Democrats keep insisting it's the age when it's the cognitive things that we're talking about here? Whether you're... Right. Right. Well, but I think the humor lies, you know, when when John Stewart does it in pointing out to the left, which is if you think about his audience at The Daily Show, it's going to be people on the left. Yeah. And he's pointing out what nobody else is on the left is talking about. Nobody else is, is pointing that out on the far left. And he's doing it just the way he did the lab leak theory when he was on with Colbert. Right. And it was funny because it is an observation that should be obvious to everyone, but apparently hasn't been in either case for the left. That's why it's funny. Keith Oberman doesn't have a sense of humor. So Daily Beast griped in an article on Stewart's return. So far, it seems that uh, that Sway includes his old pla- uh, his old platform to tell Americans that their two choices for president are both not that different and equally terrible. Yeah, I mean, that was the brunt of look that opening the, the problem that he, first episode. The problem he's going to have, I mean, you've you've Bill Maher's been on for that entire nine years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've seen the, the change in Bill Maher. And you saw the change when it came to COVID. Uh, yeah. And the message that Jon Stewart sent out there is, with COVID, is that the Biden administration is hiding the lab leak. Mm. They're lying about COVID. That was his message. That was a, And think about it. With everything we're going through, it's like the Biden administration's, you know, the, the whole thing. They're lying about it. The, right. the whole lab league thing, right. trying to censor it. He understands that. The problem is the country and politics, the Democratic Party, is not the same at all as they were nine years ago. Nine no. years ago, you could find Democrats extremely strong on border control and border security. You can't find any today. Right. Nine years ago, you wouldn't have had one Democrat come out and say, a man can be a woman if a man says he is. And that men should compete against women. Never would have happened, ever. Now it's almost 100% of Congress on the Democrat side believes that men should compete against women. And a man can be a woman if he says so. And in pop culture, applying it to Jon Stewart, it is it is commonplace. They promote it heavenly, or, or heavily. So for, you know, the, the approach of... Of John Stewart from nine years ago is the same. What has changed is the left. He's doing the same thing he was doing nine years ago. Yeah, because he, he occasionally he would. I'm not saying he would would never not go after a Democrat. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, but anytime he did it, he would do it just like he did the other night. He would go after the right immediately. <clears throat> you know, and, and try and make the case. That's that's who he, in terms of trying to make that balance and remember when he said, well, look, I'm just a comedian. We were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. That was going you, after Tucker. That was going yeah. after CNN. And what right. was that? 
Crossfire. Right, yeah. And Tucker Carlson was on at that time. Yeah, and he was trying to say, you know, he was just a comedian. No, you're not. No, you're not. You know you're not. You have an opinion. If you want to write the comedy the way you write the comedy, then great. You do that and see what your audience thinks about it. That's the way comedy is measured. But you have an opinion, and and you're truly somebody who is on the left. But the left today won't tolerate any dissident whatsoever. The thing is, though, if you're if you're trying to bring humor in, or dis, or dissent, I said dissent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dissent. If, if <laughs> on the left. <laughs> They may not. They may not tolerate dissidents either. Well, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, think, I, don't know. I don't. I don't think you have what it takes to run for president yeah, now. After that, Juan. exactly. Exactly. Um, the the thing that I don't think that John Stewart, well, he might recognize it because he did with COVID. He realized that the joke was the absurdity of what the Democrats were attempting to sell us, mm-hmm. and if you really want to look at political humor today, you know the. The, the Trump jokes about his mannerisms or his crude style, it's been there for a while. But for the most part on Trump, what he did in office, as we've stated before, very mainstream across the board. Right. Even the things that you know we have disagreed that he promoted, and thank goodness he didn't go as far as he claimed he was going to do on things like economics and tariffs and things like that. Still, he was in the mainstream of American thought over the last 100 years. Yeah. Because tariffs is not new, promoting tariffs. Right. It may be wrong economically, but part of the mainstream is promoting what's wrong in economics, is promoting wrong economics all the time that that we get into many times. But Trump has been in the mainstream of American politics actually on the issues when he was president of the United States with his behavior. The humor right now, and I think that Stewart might recognize it because he did with COVID. The stuff he did on the COVID lab leak was absolutely hilarious. Because it was a very clear and direct observation. Because the humor is in what they're trying to convince you of. And the same thing is that that's the same humor that you could see in the uh, radical Democrat transgender movement mm-hmm. that they support. Right. That a man should put, what are you out of your, I can see Stewart going, what are you out of your mind? Come on. Title IX was about protecting women's rights. We're Democrats. Don't we support women's rights? Now a woman is a man? Come on. Now I'm sounding like Cliff Clavin. Well, and, you know, by the time by the time he gets back to the Daily Show, also anti-Semitism is being proudly yeah. promoted by the far left. Right. So, very different audience. And he know John. St- by the way, I had a great talk with him at the. We were just walking. I don't know how how we started talking. We were walking. I think it was from the ABC tent to the actual uh, arena. Mm-hmm. It was like a fifteen minute walk, and I don't. Even, I can't even remember how it happened. But John Stewart was next to me. We started talking. I don't know if he started talking to me. We had a great discussion all the way down for like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Really nice guy. Mm-hmm. But it shows he knows. The COVID stuff shows he knows what's going on with the Democrats. He oh, knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that means if he knows about COVID, he understands the censoring that was done in 2020. The whole world has changed when it comes to political comedy. Does Stewart recognize it and will he actually do it? Mm-hmm. 866-90-RED-EYE. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howe's Products. Tested. Trusted. 
guaranteed since 1920. In the winter, we don't get national pasture and rangeland condition reports, but we do get them from Texas, a state that's been hit by multiple years of drought. Back at the end of August, 78% of Texas pastures and rangelands were rated in poor to very poor conditions, 78%. Since that time, we have seen a very slow improvement. Emphasis on slow USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says even after some rains over this past year, pasture condition ratings are still pretty bad. It's only improved now from 78% to 58% poor to very poor. That's in part reflective of how difficult it is to revive pastures and rangeland during the cold season. We have seen an improvement in moisture in much of Texas, but some of that benefit is not realized until we get into the warm season and we get more robust grass growth. Which might encourage cattle producers to begin to expand cattle herds again as they continue to claw their way out of long-term drought. And it rhymes, too. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report brought to you by Cenex Fuels and Lubes. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. A couple more comments coming up following the bottom of uh, the hour on the whole John Stewart uh, uh, thing and, and political comedy. Uh, uh, and also, uh, John Kirby, not happy with Corrine Jean-Pierre. Apparently, this promotion had to do with the fact that he was sick of her, her picking out who's going to ask him questions. Right. He doesn't like, he didn't like the fact that it was perceived that she was his boss. Right, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I, that's bigoted. Why? The only thing I can think of is from the Democrat standard. Uh, he is a racist, mm-hmm. homophobic, mm-hmm. and xenophobic. Right. What's because, wrong with her being your boss, John? Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Just one th- more thing on, uh, on on John Stewart because uh, he was criticized, uh, you know, by the left, just furious, and they're saying in in, in the one bit that he that he did, uh, he was you know showing uh, Biden you know not being able to communicate a thought. Right. And then started, you know, trying to make the comparison of Trump and went to some deposition that Trump was doing sometime. I don't know what the deposition was Mm -hmm. where Trump said, well, I don't remember and I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, do you remember one time saying that you have a good memory? And he goes, no. Mm -hmm. And then Stewart said something like, see, he, he, you know, he didn't remember. He didn't remember the fact that he didn't remember when he said he had a great memory. Right. Trying to make, you know, trying to make it that Biden has cognitive issues and Trump does, too, because in that deposition, Trump said, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. And I can't remember things and I can't recall different things. You know, when exactly he was married to Marla Maples, that came up. And 
trying to make that there's an equivalence of of uh, mental instability that is equal between Trump and Biden. But then he went on to just pound Biden after that. Well, number one, that isn't funny because the public, you may have the public dislike Donald Trump and believe that his rhetoric is over the top. And you may say his rhetoric is unstable. When he was president, his behavior and the things that he actually did were quite mainstream. And he has never, and the public knows it, The when you talk about the cognitive function of a person when they get old, that is owned by Biden, and the public knows it. And so when Stewart does it, I do understand some people on the left saying he's trying to make a moral equivalence between Trump and and Biden. And he was. And that might have used to work in old political comedy. It doesn't work now. What works now? Well, Stewart knows what works. When he was on who's what show? I can't think of the guy's show name. He was on Colbert. Uh, Colbert was on Colbert. And and he said, well, you know, this thing was caused by science and then Colbert you know goes back he goes well what evidence do you have of that well uh because the uh Wuhan coronavirus uh supposedly came from the Wuhan coronavirus lab you know well that's funny that was funny and then he continued to just pound it where he was taking no prisoners he wasn't trying to he wasn't trying to soften the bluntness of his comedy by bringing in somebody from the other side and trying to pretend there's some type of moral equivalent to it. Right. And that's where the funny stuff in comedy comes up. It's the same thing uh, with, um, when, with, with Bill Burr, when he, is, when he is absolutely blunt. Even when Burr tries to do a moral equivalency thing, if he hits the left and says, well, and I know the right, too, it blows the whole joke. Mm-hmm. You don't bring any. A joke should stand alone. And he knew it. Stewart knew it. And you saw it when he did it. I just think he doesn't know, especially in the environment where we're in today, where to go. Because if you want to be funny, you be blunt on the insanity. Because the insanity of the liberal transgender activist movement, there's humor in there. There is absolute humor in Mayorkas. It, I mean, it's tragic that government does it, but there is a bizarro great humor in Mayorkas saying, the border is secure. There is great humor in a liberal reporter, even though it's a tragic event, standing in the middle of a city burning, saying, and it's a mostly peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. There's humor in all of that, and that's what you bring out. And I don't know if he's willing to do that, because if you really wish to be funny today, you see funny in the 60s and 70s. What did they do? They went after the establishment. Who is actually the establishment today when it comes to authoritarianism? Who has actually practiced it? While in government, the censoring that we see, well, that's what you see in Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, 
Barry Weiss, Jonathan Turley. All these people have seen that. Michael Rappaport, the actor, who now is like, what in the world? They all see it. They know what's going on. Stewart sees it. He understands that the insanity right now on the issues comes from Democrats. I he think, knows that. I think that's probably why he took basically this temp, part-time temp job, <laughs> which is exactly what it is. It's apparently only going to be through the election because I don't know that maybe Comedy Central is just trying to determine what they're going to do with that time slot. I don't think you do anything with it. I think you just start showing stand-up because you're not going to have comedians on there. It has been really, it has been a disaster since he left. He at least was funny. You could pick apart the points he was making through his comedy, but he was funny. Yeah, we used to all the time. People tuned in every night. It was a hit. Colbert wouldn't be Colbert without that show. That's where it all began. John Oliver, HBO. Huge success story. Wouldn't have happened without The Daily Show. You know? And so, but it wasn't going to be the breeding grounds, you know, for like SNL has been over the years where, you know, you do a stint there and then you often go on to movies and everything else. It did happen with uh, Steve Carell. But again, it wasn't after John left. It wasn't. That wasn't the same. You didn't have people pass through. You know, Roy Wood Jr., in my opinion, was funny before he went to the, the uh, Daily Show, but he was there after Jon Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had him on the show before. He's very funny. But once Jon Stewart left, it wasn't going to be the breeding ground of, of, of young comedians then going on to, you know, whatever they're going to go on to. Those are the things that, you kind of look at it, of what that show was and what the mindset of any comedian is. I, d- I doubt that, that Stewart's going to change his approach. I, he knew what he was doing, and he knew coming out of the gate, having that bit coming out of the gate was going to cause this kind of talk. And that's part of it, too. It causes talk about nobody's talked about The Daily Show in a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, it does bring about that kind of attention. But I just don't think you can change who you are as a comedian. Or if you try to do that, you know it's not going to bring the laughter. It's contrived at that point. You can only be who you are as a comedian. You can't You can't change it. The audience changes, and if they're no longer receptive, you know, a Don Rickles couldn't start a career today. A young Don Rickles, not going to fly. But... That's that may be the the thing. I mean, it, it could be that uh, that uh, John Stewart's just going to go on to you know and then off into the sunset of being a producer or whatever, you know, creator of other shows and working behind the scenes. I, I think today, though, when you look at it, if you're going to succeed in political humor, you have to be blunt. Example: Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, extremely mm-hmm. blunt. Oh yeah, Stor- if you're doing ex- stand up, right. you have it, to. It, it, you know, and and I just. And so, yeah, you you talk about you talk about a show, but do does anybody when you look at because I look at who stayed in those nine years? Bill Maher did. Mm-hmm. Bill Maher had a change. Mm-hmm. He had to look at the obvious of the insanity of the Democratic Party and bring mm-hmm. it forward. He had to do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would have lost number. He wouldn't have been funny, right? And and you're not viewed as daring 
but you see in his audience, you I'm constantly amazed when I go and, and watch clips of Bill Maher that the audience is laughing at stuff that they would have absolutely rejected five years ago. Mm-hmm. But I also believe when you look at, you know, you go back to the 60s comedians um, and, you know, in the 70s and, and they attack the establishment. When you think about it today, as we've said, if you believe in freedom of the press, if you believe in freedom of religion, if you believe in the things that old-time liberals believed in also, you know, that was viewed as radical. If you were against government, a dictatorial government, or a government that wished to censor or deny you your First Amendment right, that's what those comedians were attacking. And the fact is, the establishment, in my humble opinion, the the establishment authoritarian government is clearly in the Democratic Party. Now, Mm -hmm. there's some populism in the Republican Party that Mm -hmm. I don't like that might want to go down that same road, but they haven't been in power yet. Mm -hmm. But you have it, you know, with the, you know, with, uh, with the, now, when I talk about the Republicans, I'm talking about more of their uh, populist fiscal things like, uh, you know, Josh Hawley on, on, you know, wanting to regulate credit card, uh, you know, uh, uh, rates, uh, you know, things like that, which we just view as absolutely ridiculous. Government has no role in, in you know, in doing that. It's not going to go anywhere. And what was the other thing that he proposed? Hawley had something else that he proposed that we went, what? Yeah, it was just, but it was just, and we're just like, yeah. no. And so the, the populist, you know, uh, portion of the of the uh uh republican party we're concerned okay where's that where's it's going to go but that's more fiscal than anything else but when you look at the democrats right now they're the establishment they're they are what the old left hated oh yeah the old left hated what the new left is doing today they were diametrically opposed to it and so you see the successful comedians are the ones that are going after that. Yeah. The true stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Yes, stand up can't, right. You know, because stand up can't change. You have to be who you are. If you come off as someone who is kind of pandering um, or contrived, it really just doesn't come off. You're, you're not going to see that rise. You know, so there are two approaches. There are comedians who really focus on the issues and, and you can see that and they fold all that in. Uh, like Burr and like Chappelle. And then there's the Nate Bargatze, and he's just talking about his life, right? Yeah, right. And uh, Brian Regan, same thing. Right. Um, those things, you know, you have to go down one or the other. Presenting a late-night show, they're really, the daily shows always have been about whatever is in the news. It's got to be whatever is fresh. And you can't ignore it. I mean, there could be some little side stories here and there that are great setups for a great bit. But you've got to hit the big items. And you can't ignore them. And I think he knows that long term. That maybe the whole thing with the Daily Show, because it was left. Because they got away with it for so long. But now the audience is different. That he knows, well, this is only, I'm only going to get away with this one night a week. And I'm only going to do it through the election because otherwise 
the Daily Show as it was is not going to be received like it was back then. 86690 Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. 86690 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlton. I'm Gary McNamara. Happy Valentine's Day. Well, so it was three years ago that Frizola hit here. Probably one of the worst <laughs> winter storms we've had in a very, very long, long, long time. Yeah. I won't say forever because forever is a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I just happened to go back and, and look at, <laughs> came up, you know, the, the history, you know, on this day. And three years ago today, here's here's what I wrote. And there's there's I show the weather, weather map of where the snow is. <laughs> and I wrote, may never utter these words again the rest of my life. The snow bands moving up from Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you can see, and I can see, I have the radar that's still moving. And you can see the snow bands coming up from Mexico into Texas. Well, like, what? Del the- Rio got like 10 or 11 inches of snow in that whole thing. I think yeah. that's I think the cumulative total for snow in Del Rio over the last hundred years is now <laughs> ten or eleven inches. <laughs> I could be wrong about that, but I don't remember ever I mean, as a kid, we when we first moved to San Antonio, we got snow there. There may have been a dusting of snow somewhere along the way in Del Rio when I lived there, but to get the better part of a foot of snow in Del Rio? I'm going to do lawn work today. Yeah. I will probably yeah. cut my lawn for the first time either today or tomorrow. I got some errands to run, but either but I'm going to be outside today because it's going to be 70 and I'm going to remember what it was like 3 years ago when it got down to minus 3 degrees below 0 and those winds I'm that, going to be inside enjoying all of my power staying on consistently. <laughs> that's where I'm going to be. You know, something I'm going to think about electricity and Frizola exactly. as I put on the air conditioner today. I might plug <laughs> some extra things in that I'm not even using. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.